Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Lepi Duels. It's episode 3-0 this week. I'm still your host, Jacob Artson, and we're excited and honored to have you with us today. Before we get going into the cast and introduce the four of them, I want to turn the pressure on to you guys at home. Go ahead and drop a question in the comments that you want the cast to answer on the next episode of Lepi Duels. That's right, episode 31 will be completely driven by you guys at home. Ask some good stuff. Let's test these guys and girls and see what they've got for us on the debate floor. All right, with that said, let's meet this week's cast for episode 30. Leading us off, defending her title from episode 29, it's MVP's Jennifer Sawyer. Battling with Jen in the first duel, we've got the brand manager of Latitude 64, Seth Fenley. Continuing the trend of bringing back the same cast from the previous episode, the owner of Crew 42, Zach O'Haran. And rounding out the cast this week, the winningest member of the Lepi Duels cast, the brand manager at Great Lakes Disc, Brian Frawley. Thanks for being with us all for you guys. You know the drill. Let's give the people what they want to see. Another great episode. Jen, you're going to be leading us off against Seth. Let's talk about the National Amateur Disc Golf Tour uh, championship finale that happened this past weekend. Are the champions of this event, is it any indicator of uh, some future contenders on the Disc Golf Pro Tour? Jen? Well, I do think that the NADGT, a lot of acronyms here, it gives a good platform for starting to experience that high media high anxiety, prestigious feeling event that amateurs don't usually experience until you get into the pro levels. But what really matters is what you put into your game. So um, if you look at any of the previous year championship winners, um, Kyle Klein is the, the biggest example. He won in 2018, but he didn't take a couple years until he actually started making a difference on the pro tour. So ultimately for AMS, it gives you tools and inspiration but how you approach it and how you actually go into the pro tour matters more than um, what the NADGT does. So it matters what you put into it. You get what you get. Okay, Seth, what's your uh, idea here? Yeah, so I think that it's hard to say that it is a, a good indicator for what is coming because uh, to... Jen's point, it is sort of you you get out of it what you put into it. But at the same time, we haven't had enough history there to really fully see what we are getting out of it. Um, she mentioned Kyle Klein. So I'll go sort of in the opposite direction and talk about on the, the women's side. Uh, Aria Casarita is a good example of this. She came out, was on lead card at Jonesboro. And she, um, but she had won the NADGT twice, actually. She won in 2019 and 2021. And she came out, though, and it took her until 2023 before she had that first sort of breakout uh, performance on tour. I think that um, the, the best sort of indicator is really where players are playing as they're going throughout their NADGT career. And so another good example of this would be Rebecca, uh, the, the woman who won on the, the FPO side this week, this week. Yeah. Um, she was out playing pro tour events and actually somewhat competitive. And so I think it is a little bit of you get what you put into it, but it's also where you're stacking up against the field. Okay. So to further kind of dive into this and decide who's going to win this duel, do you guys think 
you talked about Rebecca, Seth. Um, do you guys think that this year's champions will have an impact in the immediate future on the pro tour in 2024, Jen? I don't, I love Rebecca. I, I apologize publicly to you, Rebecca, but, um, if you look at other professional sports and the jump from say collegiate to the professional circuit, it is a lot more enlightening than you expect it to be. That jump is a lot bigger than you think. So it really is what you put into it. Um, she has played the NADGT the year before, just as your example, Seth, that it took a couple of years for anything to come out of it. On the FPO side, there's a lot smaller of a pool. On the MPO side, it, it, it takes a little bit more and you'll see that in Kyle Klein. So the pool is smaller and it shows even in the extended um, timeline that it really matters what you do with those championships, not the championships itself. All right, Seth, round us out. Can you win the duel here? Yeah, so I think that the the thing here is just sort of looking at the historic empirics that come from it. And so uh, Corbin, our winner this year, he has only played one Pro Tour event this year for a comparison. And he finished 112th at Waco. And, um, and sort of in the same vein, Rebecca played Pro Tour events, but didn't really cash at any of them. Um, even though she would have, I guess, been declining cash to be able to compete in this tournament. And so when you look at sort of those performances uh, compared to where they finished, you know, at this amateur tournament, I don't think that it gives us a clear representation. And it's really something that, that it takes more time than just one year to get out of. All right. Well said from both of you guys. You, you kind of said the same thing ultimately. Um, so to determine a winner here, we're going to have to go into you know, the points that you had to back it up. I thought Seth had a couple more stats um, going forward, but I think the overall theme here is what Jen said, the the learning curve um, and, and how that extends forward into future years where we might see the winners from this year make an impact, but in 2024, not so much. So Seth, I am going to give you the edge here in duel number one. Sends us to duel number two, Zach and Brian. Black Friday's coming up. The holidays are coming up. So in your guys' mind, what's the best deal that the fans at home should be looking out for um, for for the holidays, Zach? Yeah, there's a lot of things that uh, people at home are going to be look, keeping their eyes out for. Uh, you know, Discraft, Michigan Company always comes out with some good stuff. But for me personally, looking uh, into the future here and looking at what I'm most excited for personally I really like what comes out of the local stores personally, like what I've seen come out in past years for my, like my personal experiences, Great Lakes Disc has come out with some awesome packages, mystery boxes, Christmas specials. Uh, so for me, I'm really looking forward to see what they're going to offer personally. Um, and I think looking locally for people just watching across the country is always a good idea because you support your local uh, business for Great Lakes Disc in my community. They support the courses and the tournaments in the area. So I get a bonus because like the money I put into it still comes back to me in that way. And I'm also like through Great Lakes can support local players too using codes like 111786, shameless plug there. But, um, you know, I think that's a, something I'm looking forward to. Uh, it comes back to me. And if you don't have a local store that, you can support, you can always check out Great Lakes Disc. So for me, that's what I'm looking forward to. Zach's putting all the plugs in. Brian, uh, what's your answer here? Uh, Zach's 100% correct, but he can't win the argument because he doesn't know this year's deals. And I'll take this next 54 seconds to announce Great Lakes Disc <laughs> wonderful Black Friday deals. Why would you not want to support your local retailer, whether that's Great Lakes Disc or whether you have another local retailer? Go and support 
the business in your town that helps put on events or put on courses or talks to your parks board, go for them. Because <clears throat> at Great Lakes Disc, you'll get 20% more in trade-in like you always have. We'll have wonderful mystery boxes like we always have. We have deals on Grip, authorized by them. We have deals on Zuka, authorized by them. We have Matt pricing on Jen's sponsor, MVP, except for the Simon stuff. Uh, we have uh, a wonderful array of used bags that will be going on sale. And one, one more important thing, but I'll let Zach have his rebuttal first. All right, Zach. He's just teasing you here. What do you got? Yeah, I'm very happy to hear that Brian is making my point exactly what I said. Um, and he's going to be helping me make my point further by continuing to make awesome packages because he's going to help create those things. Um, but, you know, I, we're both saying the same thing in regards to making sure you support your local area. Uh, I know that sometimes like well, manufacturers come out with really good addition stuff, but being able to purchase that from your local store so it comes back to you is the really important step there. Uh, like Great Lakes Dis does, investing in the courses, investing in the players. I think that's the important takeaway here. So if you see opportunities to do that, that's the best way to move forward this holiday season. Okay, Brian, we're waiting for your rebuttal. What do you got? On Friday morning when you wake up after you've had your turkey, you're going to log in to GreatLakesDisc.com. You're going to use Zach or maybe Jennifer's promo code, and you're going to buy yourself this new ugly sweater. That will be releasing at 8 a.m. Eastern Time on Black Friday, both in-store and online, www.greatlakesdisc.com. Am I really going to lose to an ugly sweater right now? <laughs> yes, you are going to lose to an ugly sweater. Zach already feels like he's losing to the ugly sweater. All right, great great points from both of you guys. I love the uh, the shout-out to the local retailers. Um, that's the important takeaway here. Brian came with, with all the knowledge. Uh, Zach, you kind of unfortunately teed him up for it. Um, Brian, I got to give you the win. Although neither one of you wanted to name drop uh, the best code out there, Lepi, also getting you your 10% off. Go use that one, people at home. Um, anyway, Brian takes this duel, duel number three, Jen. And Brian, you are back up. Uh, let's see here. What is my question? Um, who, oh, which is going to have a more positive uh, impact on Michigan disc golf this year? Um, we had the A-tiers announced this past week, and we saw CCR open, River City open, the two Michigan uh, big A-tiers in the summer, split AM and pro weekends, and then we also saw the amateur state championships get upgraded to an A-tier. So what's going to have the bigger impact, Jen? Uh, personally, I think that splitting CCR and RCO into AM and pro weekends separately will impact the Michigan disc golf community more, mainly because it impacts more than just one sect of our community, the amateurs, but it also allows the TDs to focus on things that actually draw amateurs versus pros, which are honestly two very different things. So you can focus your personnel a little bit better. It also allows AMs to come and participate in galleries uh, during the pro, pro weekends, which is really great because it shows how much enthusiasm that, that Michigan Disc Golf really does bring. And it uh, can actually make, you know, two more A tiers in the year instead of just switching one B tier to an A tier. So um, <clears throat> not to mention, if you do that for the women, you can play both FPO and the mixed divisions. So you can play both weekends. I think that's an advantage. Absolutely. Brian, what's your take here? 
there's really no wrong answer here. So I think Jen was spot on. She missed the easy home run saying when you split the event, you allow for uh, the opposite end to volunteer for the opposite end. That was the easy home run point. But I'm going to argue here that uh, the AM championships going to an A tier is, is more important for the entire state as we move forward. And Jen did a little dig there uh, when she said just a B tier. It's not just a B tier. It's been the largest B tier in the world for multiple, multiple, multiple years. And it is under the right leadership and it has great support staff. <clears throat> now, no one here, uh, but uh, wonderful people that go up and volunteer on that holiday weekend. Uh, and having uh, the players, the large volume of players, close to 600 players, get an opportunity to have an A tier run by a really, really dedicated group of people is what the, the bigger picture here is. Okay, so two different takes here. Ultimately, Jen, defend uh, RCO and CCR. Now, I agree that the Ludington staff is one of the best staffs. They really put in their heart and souls, and I know most of the people on that staff. I say just a B tier in the, for the argument, you know what I mean? As Brian says, it is the largest B tier in the world every year and has been. However, if you change that to an A tier, you're only giving advantage to one sector of our community, the amateurs. If you split RCO and CCR, then you're giving two more A tiers to our entire to our community where amateurs can play up or females can play mixed. There it impacts more of our community than changing one tournament to an A tier. And I think that is the ultimate, you know, intent of the question. All right, so Jen responds to Brian. Brian, go ahead and respond to Jen. Yeah, so the splitting actually helps the, the AM states become an A tier even more. And it's more important because having pro for CCR on Labor Day weekend allows more people to come in through the travel, through the swing. Pros will hit D-Glow the week after. A lot of people travel with other partners that might want to play different events as well. With last chance qualifying, that opens up even more. So when you look at Labor Day weekend, you now see a giant A tier for AMs and a giant A tier for pros, making our state more attractive. All right, great points from both of you. Um, I'm going to go back to Brian's initial statement where he gave all the props to Jen and said there no, was no wrong answer. I appreciate Jen's hard line stance there. So we're going to give her the edge here in duel number three. Sends us to number four. Uh, Seth, you're up against Zach. We heard a little bit of clickbait media from another podcast earlier this week. Um, is that where disc golf media is headed, or can we maintain this community uh, engagement media source kind of thing that we've had going? Jacob and Luppy Duels followers, you will not believe, you will not believe, you want to make sure you watch the next five minutes because you're going to find out exactly where Ganon Burr is going this offseason. Clickbait, it's going to be here. Like at the end of the day, it's going to be here. And I guarantee you in five minutes, you're going to hear the greatest pitches on earth as to where Ganon Burr is going to go. And one of them is probably going to be true. That being said, um, the reality is, is that I think that we have a community that's going to help offset these things, but clickbait or the way that people phrase the titles or the words that they say in their videos are always <laughs> going to be there because we're an attention seeking people. It doesn't matter sort of what the sport is at the end of the day. I think it's going to be there. Okay, Zach, what's your take on this one? 
Yeah, I think I think they will both exist moving forward. Disc golf is a sport that has a lot of room to grow, especially in the media side of things. Uh, we see in other sports as well, like in football, where you have um, like your main um, media organizations that kind of broadcast the sport itself, and that's that has the bigger following. But you still see a lot of people create side content where they talk about things. Um, right now on ESPN, there's like. Uh, that podcast, I can't think of the kicker at Pat uh, McAfee, right? Uh, something like that. But he's like doing a podcast. He's doing hot takes all the time. Um, so I think both of them work hand in hand. And as we move forward as a sport, I think we'll see those two things working together. I don't know what the final form of it will look like. Um, it might look something like that. Uh, but we're going to see a lot of it. Uh, Seth made the point of you know talking about you know, we're attention seeking kind of community right now. And that's exactly what's getting eyes on the sport. So right now it's not even a bad thing. Um, moving forward, we'll see how that shapes up in the long run though. Seth. Yeah. So I don't know where Zach energy has gone, but it seems like he's, he's pretty even keeled here. And I think that we need to sort of bring the heat and bringing the heat is understanding that that clickbait, that energy that you bring into the media is what everyone's looking for. And so I think I'm going to go in on um, clickbait media is definitely a direction that's going to be coming out in the media and and sort of take a, a more hardline approach as opposed to Zach's point of it's going to be a mixture of both. Okay, Zach? Well, like... Sure. Okay. Let's, let's break that down real quick. So Seth is saying he's taking a hard stance here that I'm being kind of wishy-washy on it. I'm telling you that they're going to go together because they have to go together. I mean, we've seen this even from more recent coverages at, at worlds. Um, the way the commentators are directed to talk about it, to like boost up storylines. That's what we're doing right now on DGN. We're talking about things that offer clickbait opportunity. Um, so we will see those things. They will work together. I'm, coming across probably in his mind wishy-washy because we're already seeing that kind of go in that direction um, and they will work together. We've seen pieces of it. So it's nothing new. It's just how much is going to be involved is what we're going to see in the future. And I'm, I'm liking it right now. Let's get more eyes on the sport. Let's see it. All right. So Zach, I don't think you're wishy-washy by any means. Seth's obviously trying to get himself a win, but I do think he did take a harder line approach to the question and his points to drive it home were good enough included with uh, your statements that a lot of what you were saying was clickbait related kind of trending towards that anyway so Seth's going to take the win here puts him at two wins so we will save him and Brian for the final duel Zach and Jen you are up first Zach you're leading us off on this one which FPO free agent is uh, in line for the biggest payday this offseason it's got to be the one with the nickname that talks about big money. That'd be Missy. Um, she had a fantastic year this year. Her, She only, I think, uh, three finishes outside the top ten. Um, her contract ends this year. She has the real opportunity. She's a popular face. Um, she represents the sport really well. Uh, Discraft has decisions to make here about whether or not um, they have now three kind of major winners on their elite pro team that are from the FPO side. So how they're going to pay for those. And so... There might be some other companies here that could sneak in and offer bigger contracts to Missy. And so we could see a really big contract swing there, I think, in my opinion. She might stay. She, you know, team captain, all those things. But um, I don't I wouldn't be surprised if she stays. But she has an opportunity here to probably get the biggest bag out of everyone that's in the offseason currently. OK, Jen, where are you going? Well, when I think about those, you know, payday shakeups that we're talking about, 
I think about, you know, long time manufacturer sponsorship, similar to Missy, where you're going to shake it up, right? So I'm going to go with Cat Merch. She's been with Innova for a very long time as well, but she's had a, a really breakthrough season, not a breakout, but a breakthrough. She's coming into herself, I think. In 2022, she played at 28 events and she had um, $26,000 in earnings. This year, she's played the same amount of events, but practically doubled those earnings. Um, she won Jonesboro and Cascade. She placed um, second at the Disc Golf Pro Tour Championships, um, third at um, Mid-America and D-Glow, and fourth at the Preserve. She's also kind of a fan favorite. I, I know you say that Missy is, but I mean, Kat's personality is really shining through. And I think that she is perhaps more positioned to have tested out other manufacturers and get kind of like a heads up on what she could or could not accept in, in a change in manufacturers, because we all know that's very hard. Um, her significant other being Nico, she's probably been more um, open to or has more position to try some other manufacturers. And so I think, I, I think Kat will be a bigger, a, a bigger um, money maker mix up, we'll call it. Okay, so Cat Merch versus uh, Missy Gannon. Zach, defend Missy. Yeah, so I'm just kind of coming from the perspective here of who has the opportunity to get the biggest bag. I still think it's going to be Missy. Uh, her finishes were just as strong, arguably stronger. Um, her nickname, Big Money Missy, is real. Like, talking about her income for Cat, I mean, Missy's making as much money as anyone else other than uh, Kristen Tatar, who's the only other relevant name that we'd be looking at other than uh, Missy right now. So um, the only concern I would have with Kat is that we've seen other players that look hot, like flash in the pan, uh, specifically I'm thinking like Kona seemed like someone who was on this rise, someone who's going to be consistent, good social media presence, and then got that big contract. And then all of a sudden tampered off, wasn't as elite. Uh, Missy's um, is a veteran. We have, we have seen her be able to compete long-term. We know what kind of sales she presents. I think those consistency numbers allow companies to kind of go at her more aggressively and more secure. And I think that her popularity is still going up. So I think for those reasons, she's going to be the better option to get the bigger bag this off season rather than cap. Okay. Jen. I don't think Missy's going to leave Discraft. I, I think that Discraft knows what they have in Missy and I completely agree in everything that you've said about her. Um, not that Innova doesn't see that in Cat as well, but when you have that trajectory up, I feel like Missy, Discraft has been comfortable with Missy. She had, I think, a two-year contract, um, and she's a little bit older, and she's a little bit more wise, we'll say. Not that Cat's not wise in her game, but there's there's something to youth, and I don't think Cat um, has really ever had that opportunity, and she is on the trajectory up instead of at the risk of a plateau. Not saying that Missy is going to plateau. She's like one of the best putters in the game. She she is likable. She is lovable. But I think Discraft loves her. I think Cat might have more of an opportunity to get more money than Innova will um, offer her because Innova's team's a little bit more deep, um, to be quite honest. So I think Cat has more of an opportunity to make more money. Okay, Jen, I do like the take on on Cat Merch. I love where you went with that and presenting it um, as an argument of, hey, she has an opportunity to go get more money elsewhere than Missy Gannon um, at Discraft, kind of re-upping her deal. However, I do think 
Zach's points pointed to consistency. I love the Kona example, not that Cap Merch will go down that path, um, but I think it's uh, relevant to bring up. Um, and I think ultimately Missy Gannon probably will have um, more money in her pocket after this offseason is, is set through sponsorship. So Zach's going to take the win here, and this duel sends us to the final one. Brian, you're the only one standing in the way of Seth taking a, a win down on episode 30. So Seth already teased it two questions ago, but we're talking Gannon Burr. Build him a deal. If you if you can be a manufacturer, build him a deal that's that's going to get him to sign with your company. Who's up first? It is Brian. Well, I'm going to take this from the perspective of the manufacturers, and I'm not going to go at it um, with Discraft or, or um, with Dynamic or, or maybe even Dismania because we've already got some big fish that are on that, and Gannon wants to be the big fish. Gannon wants to be the big fish, so we're not going to go into that pond. And we, we parallel other sports really well in disc golf, so we look at what, what is bringing success to smaller markets uh, when you get a celebrity to kind of buy in. We look at Wrexham or with Ryan Reynolds and we look at what this young Gannon could do to really shake up our industry. So here I am, I'm Dave McCormick from Gateway and I'm going to pitch you Gannon Burr. I'm the closest manufacturer to where you grew up. I have a laundry list of molds, so many molds that you don't even know about that have been approved, well over 50. Plus I produce three other companies' plastics. Oh, I heard you like a wide variety of plastics in your putter. Don't worry. I have 25 different putter variation plastics alone. We'll find you the one that works for you. Oh, and when it comes to the financial side, here's the kicker. I'm going to give you 48% of my company, and I'll explain more in my rebuttal what that does for you. All right, Seth. Awesome. So I'm glad that Brian decided to go outside of the box on this because I think that I'm in a similar vein. So I went with a company that grosses over $300 million annually. It's a family-owned business, much like a gateway. The interesting thing, though, is that at $300 million, we know that that company is outside of the sport, so to speak. But they do make disc golf disc, and it is the running meme that I think is going to finally go away forever, and that is that Franklin Sports is going to come in and take their pickleball money and offer it to Gannon Burr to be able to launch the official Gannon Burr Franklin Sports disc golf lineup. We're not talking about the crap stuff that you get from Amazon. We're talking about the real deal stuff. And the reality here and why it's going to be a little bit better than a percentage of the company that Brian's talking about is that because Franklin is a $300 million company, they're positioned very well to give Gannon more money than any other disc manufacturer can. And they have the production capacity to be able to keep up with demand whenever this breaks the internet. Okay, I like both of your takes. Let's hear the 48% of the company, Brian. According to my inside information, Gateway's total value is about $2.2 million, roughly. They don't own the building. They own a large amount of the machinery, um, and they produce a decent amount of stuff. They have high overhead with some of the plastic, and then they have some issues. You bring in Gannon Burr, you say, here's 48%. That value of that company in our disc golf world just doubled right away. Like, right away... I'm Gannon Burr. I've signed to this company. This is now my company. We've doubled our value instantly. We've both become millionaires right away. And now we start doing the work. We put in the production. Gannon's got a great sense of personality. He can get out there, start marketing the wizard, which is the, still to this day the best putting putter in the history of time. Okay, Seth, bring it home. Why is it Franklin? 
For over 75 years, Franklin Sports has been the bastion of professional sports. They're known for creating um, the gloves that are hand fit to every Major League Baseball player. They have the product development and production skills to take Gannon Burr and make him the next superstar. The reality is, is that Gateway, while they are worth a couple of million, do not have the production facilities or really the capacity to be able to scale up at the rate at which Brian is pitching, whereas Franklin Sports does. And so I think at the end of the day, it's a very easy win for Gannon. It's a very easy win for Franklin. And it's a very easy win for disc golf because we get rid of the crappy night owl and those really cheap baskets that, that they've been putting out. All right, so this is an interesting one. I thought you both attacked it with uh, with some research and um, and some some numbers to back up your your uh, your takes here. Brian Gateway, I love the forty eight percent pitch. I think that's uh, especially like you said, his, his value doubles overnight um, as far as value in that company. So that's a valid pitch, Seth. You're talking about pure infrastructure with Franklin. Um, that they've been there, done that for other sports, and they can do it again for Gannon Burr. Um, I think on that reason alone, I'm going to lean towards Seth. But, Brian, I did love the gateway point. Um, Seth, you're going to take the win here. Clean sweep. What do you got for us? Yeah, so it's contract season, guys. And I think that it's a it's a very interesting thing. Uh, Brian and I have been talking about it back and forth uh, just amongst ourselves because Brian has a great team at Great Lakes Disc that he sponsors. And then I oversee the Latitude 64 team. And I think it's really important for anyone who's in disc golf who thinks that they want to be sponsored someday to think about the economics of sponsorship from the sponsor's perspective and think about what it is that they're looking for whenever they're going to sponsor a player. And so one of the things that you look for, obviously, is wins. Now, it's important to note that wins obviously aren't everything, but at the end of the day, if you're not Isaac Robinson, Calvin Heimberg, Kristen Tatar, um, all of these players sort of at the very top that are winning consistently, then a sponsor probably has a reason to not sponsor you. Including if you're in the top 20 on the pro tour, there might be a reason why you're a better fit for one sponsor than the other. And so keep that in mind whenever you go to apply to a team or you find out that it's harder to be sponsored than you thought it was. Um, there are reasons why people sponsor players beyond just competition though and so if you don't think that you get it on competition then the other things that that you're looking for are things like how you promote yourself on social media now it's no longer just okay to say hey i post about my tournament on social media you have to do more than that you have to be engaging people uh, i had a very interesting uh case where someone reached out to me a couple of days ago and they're hey i have a great social media following I'm out there and, you know, I go and I look and they have about 2000 people following them on, on Instagram. And that's great for a person who's building their audience. But when a sponsor is going to sponsor someone, they're looking for someone with tens of thousands of followers. If they're going to be sponsoring them on social media alone, if you don't have that culmination of performance and social media presence or performance and charisma, then there's just not that much for a sponsor to go off of. And so I say all of that to say, when you're out there grinding, when you're out there playing, when you're out there thinking, what does it take to be sponsored? Be okay with the fact that over 99% of disc golf players are not sponsored, right? 
there's it is almost we have the sport has finally grown to a point that it is the one percent of players that are sponsored and just because you're not sponsored doesn't mean that you don't have worth in the sport you do have worth in the sport you have worth in the sport whether it's going out and helping volunteer in your local community or whether it's going out and and actually starting to run your own events or looking to maybe even start your own disc golf business. There's plenty of other things to do besides just wearing a company's name on your back. Um, and I think that you you have to be okay with that and realize that because um, at the end of the day, if Brian and I had the capacity to, and if other manufacturers had the capacity to, we would sponsor more people. But it comes down to a nuts and bolts financial decision, and we can't just quite sponsor everyone. So I wanted to offer that sort of advice and those things to think about as we wrap up. The podcast today. All right. Thank you so much for that, Seth. Um, I think those are wise words, especially from uh, the brand manager of, of a, a major company like uh, Latitude 64. So thanks for that. Um, Zach, Brian, Jen, thanks for being here as well. Congrats to Seth on another win on Lepi Duels. Everybody at home, remember, throw a question in the comments for these uh, fine ladies and gentlemen to uh, debate next week. Episode 31 is going to be driven by your questions. So throw something down below and don't forget to subscribe if you haven't done so already. Other than that, have a great weekend. We'll catch you guys soon.